must it have been like the week after Pentecost for the world, for the church that was, that was just, just being established. So I just want to bring a few thoughts this morning on after Pentecost. How many of you, learn, you, know, you know, we don't live after Pentecost, we live in it. Hello. It wasn't just something that happened a long time ago to stay a long time ago, just to be in our history books and our Bibles, that is something which empowered the church, you and I, so powerful. And it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, this is my Bible, and, and it talks about Pentecost in here, <laughs> and it's power, and it's the Word of God. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I have what it says I can have. And church, I hope your hearts are open, your minds are attentive to receive what God has for you today. Now, his word, which is fresh, his word, which is living, his word, which is powerful, his word, which has an effect. So you're ready. It's good to see you this morning, by the way. Anybody here for the very first time in life, church? I've met somebody this morning as, you came, as we came in this morning. It was, their, it was their very first time in life. It's good to see you. Well, I can, I can see your silhouette, but I can't quite see. That's all I can see. It was good to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you're joining us online, it's good to see you. Uh, stay connected. Don't just have us on as background entertainment. Yeah, we're, we're talking to you this morning. <laughs> you, we're with you. You're with us. Uh, so I want to just read a couple of passages of Scripture and, and bring something that happened before Pentecost to something that happened, happened after Pentecost and just link them together. And I hope it will be helpful to you. In Matthew chapter 16, remember Jesus is having this conversation with his close followers, his disciples, and he's asking them who, who, who they think he is and their, their relationship with him. I'll tell you, sometimes we need to ask ourselves who Jesus is to us. Because sometimes I find as Christians, we can slip in and out of our understanding and of our, of our revelation of who Jesus is. And you say, well, don't do that consciously, but sometimes through our actions, through our attitudes, through our opinions, through how we live our life, you know, sometimes we forget we're saved. Remember when our girls were very young, we'd go meet somebody, some, meet some people maybe you've never met before, uh, and we in the car before they got out of the car, and I don't know whether you said to your children, we'd say, don't forget you're saved. <laughs> when you get into this strange and different environment. So Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am, or I the son of man am? So they replied, and some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so he's asking them, who do people say that I am? If you ask somebody in your world, you know, outside of your, your church world, outside of your Christian world, if you like, who, who, do, who, do, who do you say Jesus is? You know, what would their response be? And he's, they're, they're telling him that some say he's this, some say he's that, some say he's John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say he's Jeremiah. You know, he looked at them and he said, well, who, but who do you say that I am? You know, what's, what's your relationship with me? What's your understanding of me? 
you know, what's your revelation of who I am and what I am to you? How is that affecting your life? How is that, how is that changing the way you live and directing the course of your life? He says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it goes on and says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You didn't get this through some blog. You didn't get this through some Google search you did. You, you got it through heaven. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You, you got it by revelation knowledge. He said, and I say to you that you are Peter. So he's changing his name. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. On this revelation of who you believe I am and who I am to you, I can build my church. I can do something now with you. You see, God can do something with us different when we know who he is than before we know who he is. So I believe God, we, we will receive from God according to our revelation of who he is. We'll receive from God according to where our faith is. It says, flesh and blood not, did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And he said, I also said to you that you are Peter and on this rock. And he, he lists, lists some things in this conversation that are, that are so significant and so powerful for us today, I believe. He said, on this revelation, on, on this rock, I can build my church. And, you know, when he said, and I'm building my church, and the gates of hell, hell will not prevail against it. A lot of things will come at it, but they won't prevail. So he built his church. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, I, and, and then he goes on, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Wow. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's Jesus speaking to his disciples, and they're getting that revelation of who he is, a, a position, a chapter, where, and a scripture we're very familiar with. He's asking Peter, what is your personal revelation of who I am? And on that revelation of who I am, this is what I can do. So every time Jesus opened his mouth, it's very significant, isn't it? I'll tell you, it's pretty significant every time you open your mouth. That's why we need to guard it. That's why we someone need to zip it. That's why sometimes we need to hold, hold something and, and question, is, is this going to be life-giving or is this going to be life-destroying? And I'm sure we've all, well, you probably haven't, but I've certainly made a few mistakes where it was never, what I said wasn't a good thing to say. It would have been better unsaid. So what Jesus speaks is significant. He opens his mouth. You know, he didn't waste his words. They were truth and they were life. They were powerful. You know, his disciples said to him once when, you know, his question when people were leaving him and going away from him, walking other walks, and Jesus looks at them and said, well, are you going to leave too? And they said, no, we've got nowhere else to go because you have the words of eternal life. 
They recognized his words. They recognized the power of his words. They recognized what his words would do. His words would bring life. So Jesus never wasted his words. He, he, he didn't have a lot of idle talk. Never wasted his words, but his words were powerful. And it's no accident, I believe, that Jesus includes so much in this, this statement about building his church on this, on this rock, on this, revel, on this foundation of revelation. And that he would, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that he would give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Jesus saying to Peter, as he was to be who he was to become, he's still Simon at that point, he said, I'm changing your name. He, says, he said, I am the builder of my church. He doesn't say, I, I am going to build an organization. I'm not going to build a, an online church. I'm building the church. And on this foundation, on this, I can build my church. With that revelation, I can build my church. And of course, then he adds to it and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All, all because Peter has an understanding of who Jesus is. And he adds to it again, he says, I will give you the ability, if you like, to, to unlock the power of heaven. How many of you believe the power of heaven is so powerful? All the power of heaven is available to each and every one of us. So powerful. And in this statement, he's saying to Peter and those around him, I'm giving you keys to unlock the power of heaven. How many of you find situations in your life where you need to see the power of heaven unlocked over your life? And we talk about living under an open heaven. We talk about positioning ourselves where God can do the things in our lives that we need to see change and take place. We've been singing about mountains being moved and the powerful power of God in our lives. It is available to us, church. Hello? It is available to the body of Christ. The power of heaven. Jesus saying to Peter, on this rock of revelation, I can build my church. Then he leaves. <laughs> He, he, he leaves, he, he, he gets crucified, he dies and by the power of heaven he is raised to life again. And that same power which raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to each and every one of us. I'd say we need to be positioning ourselves and finding ourselves in, 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 the, in the place where we are recipients of the power of heaven in our lives. He leaves. But before he leaves, of course, he promises the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 46 through 49, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations should be preached, remission of sins, your repentance, turning away to all nations. 
That's, that's everybody, by the way. That's everyone. Not just selectively this group, not selectively that group, but everyone. So beginning in Jerusalem, he said, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are so weak and so downtrodden and so you nothing got left, nothing left in you. No, he says, until you are endued with power from on high. Until you're endued with power on on high. And of course, we know, we know that Pentecost came. The power of heaven touched that Pentecost came. That last week was this was a Sunday, if you like, that we would remember Pentecost Sunday. That day when the Holy Spirit came, when those 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 early disciples, those 120 who had who had waited and waited and waited, who had stood on the promises of God, who had waited in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, and on that day the power of heaven came. And so, of course, for Pentecost fulfilled a promise for a purpose. You know, the promises of God, the Bible says, in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God. Promises are for a purpose. And the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of power which came from on high to the church was for a purpose. So we read in Acts, the beginning of Acts, we haven't got time to read it now, but it talks of when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all together in one place. And there came as a sound of mighty rushing wind. And the place where they were in was filled. The Bible says, and they, tongues of fire rest on each and every one of them. They all spoke with other tongues. And that empowering from heaven came and touched those 120 who have been waiting, who have been waiting, who have been waiting, who have been faithfully hanging in there to see the promises of God fulfilled in their lives. You know, I wonder, I wonder if, those, if the 121st, who, who, the, the last person to leave before the Holy Spirit came, I wonder how fed up they must have been. <laughs> oh, I should have just hung on one more day. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, it came. And, 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 they, and, and then, of course, there's a great commotion. And the apostle Peter, who, who has this revelation of who Jesus, he knows that he knows that he knows. He, it wasn't that he was perfect. He let Jesus down a few times, didn't he? He says, these men aren't drunk as you suppose. This is only the third hour. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And you old, young men, old men shall prophesy. All men shall dream dreams. And on your mansion and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. It was what was being fulfilled. What was a fulfillment of what was promised. And I don't, I don't believe we should, we should waste a fulfillment of a promise. I don't believe we should treat lightly the fulfillment of a promise. And Peter preaches this sermon and he's preaching, he speaks to the people. And it came to that point. And of course, he, what he was preaching was what, it was what Jesus spoke of in, in Luke's gospel there. Repentance. And remission of sins. And the guys and those who were listening got to that place where they, you know, they, the Bible says they were cut to their hearts. 
What, what should we do? What do we need to do? And of course, we know from that that 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God. When the day of Pentecost came, remember what that Jesus has said that he would build his church. He would build his church. And he says, wait in Jerusalem until I send you and you receive power from on high. So you're never going to get church without Pentecost. It, it, they, they, they come together. The church is this phenomenal body of Christ with a purpose on earth that you and I have the privilege. And of course, with that great privilege comes a great responsibility, I believe. We're part of it. That which he promised, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. I'll give you what it takes. I'll give you the ability. I'll give you what, it, what you need to unlock the power of heaven. And so the church is this... I, I, I sometimes think we, we, we struggle to get our natural minds around the church and its significance. This phenomenal body of Christ that has a purpose on the earth. And the Bible says that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to principalities and powers to the world by the church. I tell you, to do that, the church needs to live in the power that it was given as a promise in these days in which we live, I believe. And it's a, I, just, I tell you, it's a privilege to be part of the body of Christ. It's a privilege to be part of the church of Jesus Christ, his body. See, I believe the, the power of heaven for today is tied up in the church. The power of heaven. Which the person walking through the streets, standing next to you in the checkout queue, standing at the other side of the filling station pump complaining about the price, needs to see the power of heaven. And the power of heaven gets released so many times through the church. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 verse 22 and 23 says, And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is so powerful. The church has such, has such significance. You know, I believe that today, like never before, with some of the uncertainties, uncertainties we see in the natural world, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be strong. I believe it needs to be strong and I believe it needs to be flexing its muscles. Being seen by the world 
and recognized like it was maybe in the days after Pentecost when the power of heaven was being manifested through the church. The church grew just in one day by 3,000. Then a little later it goes to 5,000. Then it comes to a place where not many days from then the whole of Jerusalem was, was hearing and knew about the things of the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because the gospel was being preached first in Jerusalem. Repentance and remission of sins. Not some watered down, easy, nice, pleasant, comfortable, squidgy, lovely gospel. The power of heaven. Yeah, I, I say, I, I, so I, I believe that like never before, in the days of uncertainty in which we're in, with so many things changing, so many things which we feel like are out of our control. Now, the world looks pretty different now than it did maybe three years ago. What will it look like in another three years? So we're living in days when I believe the church needs to be so strong and yet it's under such attack. But thank God, Jesus, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind and whatever you loose. We bound and we loosed in heaven. We have this access to see the power of God manifest in our lives and manifest in the situations around our lives, in our lives. Right from the very small things to the big things. Let's be inclusive of where we believe we need to see the power of God working in our lives. Decisions we're having to make, the stuff that's going on with regard to everything that's going on around us. Yeah, the church is under such attack. Some of you feel like you have to be so careful and diplomatic just to preach the Bible. Well, you can't say this in church. You can't say this on a live stream. You can't say this. You can't say that. Do you, do you think the Apostle Peter cared two hoots? <laughs> Whatever two hoots is. Cared at all? Too much? About what? He was preaching the Bible. You preach repentance and remission of sins to all nations, starting right where you are. Sometimes I say we feel we have to be so careful and so diplomatic just to preach the Bible in a Christian country. Well, you can't say that. What about this group? What about that group? What about these thoughts? What about this and what about that? And yet, sometimes you know, you look, you. The Bible is just so plain and so clear. It's so for me, you feel like you have to be so careful. Be so careful of what you say in a church that is supposedly Pentecostal. See, Jesus didn't say when you go, preach the gospel. But when you get to the 21st century, you need to go easy on the people and preach something that's a little more liberal. I tell you, if you get saved in something that is liberal, something which is not Bible, you'll be messed up from the beginning. 
Because sometimes it's difficult to negotiate you out of a preset thought, a preset acceptance of something. See, so I believe, I believe that the church needs to get back to its strength of the early days. Those days soon after Pentecost when the power of heaven had touched that group of 120 people in that room and Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached that sermon which saw 3,000 people get saved. And they would just maybe get times when they would just walk through the streets and just their presence of carrying Jesus, the healer, the deliverer, the demon rebuker would have effect on people's lives. What sort of effect does your life have on people? What sort of effect does your presence have on people? They don't even, sometimes they don't even filter their cuss words in front of you. I believe the church needs to get back to its strength of its early days. Its strength in its early days, its strength in its early days was its power in its early days. So its strength came from its power. I don't believe they believe anything has changed. Our strength, the strength of the body of Christ comes in its power. In Ephesians we read, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you can ever think or ask according to the power which is working within you. The thing is, some of, us, some of us have got power which is working within us, which isn't always the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you want me to go down a rabbit trail or not? Probably best not. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, far in excess or beyond what you can ever think or ask according to the power which is working in you. I tell you, we need to be a people who have the power of God working on the inside of us. And when the power of God is working on the inside of us, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you can ever think or ask. And some of you got some pretty big thinkings and some pretty big askings. Because we, I know we've got big thinkers in the church. See, its strength in its early days was in its power in its early days. And that power came from on high. It didn't come from their education. It didn't come from their physical strength. It came from on high, which had been promised. And those who had the patience to hang around until the 120 debt for the 120 in, in that upper room, they received it. And the power of God was unleashed on the church, or was unleashed on the people, and it, create, and it and creates the church. And so the church is filled with power, and that is its strength. You may hear people say, well, the church needs to go back to basics. No, no, you just want to go back to something which suits your preferences and your opinions. So, well, the church was this and the church was that. But one of the things I do, do know, and we don't know a huge amount about the church, what the church was like, you know, physically and how they did things exactly. But what we do know is the church was full of power. 
Hello? The church was full of power, and in its power, its strength is where its power came from. Its power is where its strength came from. See, that the church, the early church lived and was sustained. It lived and it was sustained by what was promised. Power from on high. You see, Jesus at one point says, you, you, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Peter couldn't have preached that sermon without the power of God in his life. He couldn't have preached that before Pentecost. Church, we live, we live the same side of Pentecost as Peter lived when he preached that sermon. It says, you shall receive power when, when, and you shall be my witnesses. And so when Peter stands up, empowered by the Holy Spirit, having abandoned everything else, it already said to Jesus, where else should we go? What else should we do? We're not going to leave you. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to back off. We're not going to scale back our thoughts. We're not going to scale back our, 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 our adrenaline rush. Our, we're not going to scale back our excitement, our enthusiasm. We're not going to scale back our desire to serve and to be, be the people you've called us to be. We're, we're going to step up. We've we got nowhere else to go. We, we, we have forsaken all to follow you. It's like we've cut our ties from our past. You know, we've, we've cut the elastic on the bungee jump run. Nothing's going to pull us back. It's gonna, you know, nothing, there's nothing there. We have cut our ties on our past. We have forsaken all to follow you. You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. We've got nothing, nothing to go back to. Too often we will get, we will get saved, we will, we will raise a hand and pray a prayer, but we don't cut ties. I'm not saying just take a sword, slice people out of your life. But what I am saying and what the Bible does say, slice out the influence. Renew your minds. Do not, no longer be conformed to this world. Be transformed by renewing your mind that you may know what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so not, and Peter stands up, and not only does he give an explanation, but he preaches Jesus. He preaches Jesus. And when you preach Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit, anything can happen. I tell you, we need to believe that. Because his name is powerful. His name is above every name. His name carries clouts. Who do men say that I am? Well, who do you say that I am? Well, if you just see Jesus as a good person, a nice guy, a little bit radical, you're not going to see much take place. In that. But if you see Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, and you got it as revelation. When you got that as revelation, it changes how you think. 
It changes how you view life. Changes you. See, some often we don't want we don't we don't want too much of the change. We don't we, we there's some bits of this life we like. So not only does Peter preach Jesus, but he but we give an explanation of what's taking place, but he preaches Jesus. And when he preached Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit. What, what must we do? See, the power of the Holy Spirit needs to be in the church to convict, to cause people to say, what must I do? The power of the Holy Spirit causes people to become cut to their hearts. So if we take Pentecost, if we, if we take Pentecost at just one, one Sunday, one event, but don't make it make don't make it part of who we are. We're going to lose our power. Let's read what Peter says there in Acts chapter two and verse four. He says, "And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation.' Because we don't live in a perverse generation, do we? we live in a nice and acceptable, and you know, godly generation." So then those, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and they, that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And, and, and here, here we see, here we see the connection between who Jesus is and the church and his power. It says, and, and they continued... Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So here is something. See, they didn't just get saved, they didn't just have this encounter with God and go home and live this nice, comfortable, easy Christian life. Well, they've done that now. That's it. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and they, that day 3,000 souls were added to the church, were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Some translations say, and they devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together had all things in common, sold possessions and goods and divided them among themselves as anyone needed. So continued or continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That, that is the early church. So clearly, that, that is, isn't that a blueprint for the church? Isn't that a blueprint for the church, which has been empowered? See, their strength was in their power. This power which was released at Pentecost. 
And that same power, church, is being released today, continuing. The Bible says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit and go back from the meeting and just forget about it. Take on that experience, you know, do, have, have, that, have that feeling and all that stuff that comes with it and, and forget about it. No, no, be being filled. Be continually being filled. So do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be being filled. Take on the Holy Spirit, which will, will, which will intoxicate you. Which will like, like, oh, it should, it'll take over your life. See, what the early church knew how to do, what the early church knew how to do was to stay connected to his power. So simple. That is what the early church had, had, knew how to do because they knew their strength was in the power. And so in order to maintain their strength, maintain their effectiveness, maintain that walking through the streets and people being healed just because they walked past them. To maintain that, remember that strength came from their power, the power that was released on the day of Pentecost and is still being released today. It is the same power which we received when you got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same power which is equipping you and empowering you to be who you are, who you are called to be. For the grace we've been saved through faith is not of works that anyone should boast we're here. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And in his preparing them beforehand, he prepared what he, what, which he promised the Holy Ghost to come and touch our lives and empower and to equip us. And so what the early church knew how to do was stay connected to the power. And too often, you know, we just, we, we disconnect so often. I'll tell you, just, just by coming into the house of God, it is like coming into a place where we're connecting to the current of the power of God. It's just one of the things we do, of course. But I believe it's so powerful. See, these early church, they, 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 they gladly received the word, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They didn't just go home. Put on the stir fry or roast the dinner or eat the croissants or whatever. They just go home and forget about it. But it says they, they, they continued steadfastly. Continued means they did it not just today but tomorrow and the next day. It became their lifestyle. They'd be devoting themselves to the apostles' Not just the apostles, but to their doctrine, their truth. And fellowship. Fellowship isn't an old-fashioned word. Fellowship is a biblical word. It comes, I think, from the word called koinonia. Of coming together. Coming together. doesn't say they committed themselves to a YouTube video. They're good, or they can be. A blog. 
an online service meeting or whatever, or just studio setting. But they committed, or they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and in fellowship and just coming together and sharing with each other, being real with each other, being at one with each other, coming shoulder to shoulder, sharing with each other, breaking your bread and in prayers. Then it says, and then, then, then fear came upon every soul. Not a fear that we're just constantly afraid, but a fear of God. A fear of the reverence and the power of God. And then it says, and many signs or many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. How many of you know we, need, we live in the days where we need to see signs and wonders? They, they get attention. And the body of Christ needs them. I tell you, I, could, I know people in the building here and, and joining us online who, 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 who could do with a good dose of signs and wonders, of miracles, of good reports from the doctor, of provision in times of incredible lack. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and now all who believe were together. They shared things. They shared their lives. They were open with each other. They looked out to each other. To so continuing daily with one accord, just coming together. The Bible, you know, says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there is there I am in the midst. If two of you agree about anyone on earth, one thing on earth, it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven. When we come together, the Bible says, we come together, we come in unity. It's like he commands blessing. And breaking of bread from house to house. They ate their food with glance and simplicity of heart, praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why was that? Because the early church, in the days after Pentecost, recognized that their strength was in the power, was in their power. Their power, their strength came from their power. Let's stand on our feet this morning.